0: So we are in this series called, Do You See What I See? And this morning we're going to talk about joy. As we go through this Advent season, we're going to talk about joy. And when a pastor gets up in, in mostly any church and starts talking about joy, they usually start out by talking about what joy is not, okay? So I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to do the same thing, talk about what joy is not. There it is. This is what joy is not. Right. But what happens is what we do is once we talk about what joy is not, we then swing the pendulum all the way over to the other side and try to explain what joy is. And we end up creating a fake, um, you know, over enthusiastic character like this guy. Right. And so first it's like what it's not. And then what it is, it's just so outrageous. You're like, oh, I'm never going to be able to achieve. Not that you want to, to achieve that kind of mental illness or that kind of joy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. But that's what we do. We say, well, okay, this is what it's not. And then this is what it is. And you should all feel this way right now. But what is true biblical joy? What is it? What, what is, what is it? What, how can we accomplish? How can we achieve how can we gain? How can we own true joy? Now, we know that true joy is not just a reaction to the ups and downs of life, right? I mean, I think we all understand that as followers of Christ. Joy is, joy, for me, joy is, is, is knowing that you have whatever you need to handle whatever may come. That you have whatever you need. And this is the cool thing you actually do. And we're going to talk about why throughout this sermon. But you have whatever you need to handle whatever may come into your life. That's what we're talking about. No matter what the circumstances you find yourself in in life, God's blessing is still there. It's still there. It means that you're less stressed because you understand, you grasp the reality That God is good and that you are loved. If you can remember nothing else from this morning, if you take that with you, that's so important. God is good all the time. God is good and that you and I are loved. Joy doesn't come from what you and I have. See, you think, if I have more, if I have this... Joy doesn't come from what we have. Now listen, this is so, this is, this is important for us as well. It really boils down to knowing what cannot be taken away from you. True joy, true biblical joy comes in the knowledge that something, some things, there are certain things in life that cannot be taken away from me. The enemy, the world, whatever words we want to use, can, they can take your job, but they cannot take your purpose. They can take your job. They can fire you, whatever. They can take your job, but they can't take your purpose. They can take a relationship from you, but they cannot take God's love from you. They can take your health But they cannot take God's grace and God's power from you. Honestly, they can even take your life, but they cannot take your eternal destiny. Joy is knowing there are certain things in your life that cannot be taken from you. What does the Bible say? What can man really do to me? Take my life, take my life, but you cannot take my eternal destiny. That's why the Bible can say in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, it says that be joyful always. You know how much I love the word always, right, in the Bible, every, always. That's what it says again, always. So he, he, here we go again, Bible saying always. And now some of you start to think to yourselves, okay, wait a second, Uh really, really? Are you, are you up here just like spouting these things off without thinking about it there, pastor? Always, in all circumstances, you can find joy? Yes. In all circumstances, you can you can have joy. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, there are some circumstances in my life that I've been through, that I'm going through right now, where I wouldn't say that um, I'm feeling joyful in those circumstances. And I I totally understand what you're saying. So how is it, how can you and I find the kind of biblical joy that I just described? See, here's the thing. The truth of the matter is, if you're waiting for your life to to uh, turn out just to so the circumstances just to be what you need them to be. If you're waiting for the all the planets to align, right? Once everything, once I have this, once I do that, once I go here, once I... So all the planets align. If you're waiting for things to be perfect in your life before you have joy, my friends, you are going to be waiting a very, very, very long time. Because it's not, you all know that. I mean, you're adults. That's not going to happen. So then the question is, once again, how do we find true biblical joy? That kind of joy. A joy that lasts. A joy that will last. How do we find a joy that will last? How do we have that kind of joy in our lives? In a, a world that is fallen. A world that is discouraging sometimes that is imperfect and honestly sometimes it's just ugly. I mean, how do we find lasting joy in that type of world? It, you know, here's the here's the interesting thing. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Right? Isn't it, Isn't that what Christmas is all about? That God brings joy to the world in the midst of a very difficult and challenging life. Joy to the world in, in a world that has fallen, in a world that is challenging, in a world that, again, like I said, is sometimes ugly for many of us at different times in our lives. But God says, I bring joy to the world. So, for the remainder of our time, what I want to do is look at the people involved in the Christmas story and see what we can learn. OK, from that first Christmas, we're going to look at the people in the Christmas story and then see what we can learn from that first Christmas joy. OK, can be experienced by all of us, but we need to keep our minds focused here. We need to stay focused. Now, the, the shepherds were joyful. They talked about joy. The shepherds talked about joy. Um, the wise men, they talked about joy. Mary and Joseph talked about joy. So we can have the joy that they had. Think about this. I was kind of processing through this. They had joy. They all had joy without knowing the end of the story. They, had, they were at the beginning, the first Christmas. But they were filled with joy, not knowing the end of the story. But we, sitting here this morning... Know the end of the story. We know it. We know what happens. He wins, right? He rises from the grave. We have the whole story. We understand it all. We have the Old and New Testament. We have it all. They had joy in their circumstances, and they didn't even know the end of the story. We can have that same joy. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, it says, For everything, listen to these words, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Whenever you read the Bible, understand this, whenever you read the Bible, it wasn't just written for the people at that time. It was written it was written for us. it was written to give you hope, to give me hope. It was written to to give us encouragement. It was written to give us joy. the Word of God, all that truth we have the whole story, and it is written so that when you read about Joseph and you read all that Joseph was able to endure, it gives you strength, it gives you an understanding that wait, he Daniel overcame this Shadrach Meshach and Abednego overcame that these people were afraid these people were challenged these people went through this the the, the, the things that Joseph went through and he was able to say at the end you know you all meant this to harm me but God meant it for good he could find joy in his circumstances that should encourage every single one of us right you should be encouraged by that I should be encouraged by that. The word of God brings us that hope. It brings us that encouragement and it brings us that joy. So so let's see what we can learn from the people in this story. The first lesson comes from the shepherds. Okay, it comes from the shepherds. And it is joy is here. So first lesson, joy is here. Most people are looking for joy in all the wrong places. They're looking, they think they can find it out there somewhere. It it is not, it's not somewhere out there, okay? It is here. We, we, we can experience that joy. It's where you are. It can be found in the life that you're living right now. And you're saying again, pastor, you don't understand the life I'm living right now. Yes, I do. I do. And what I'm saying to you is the Bible says always. We can find joy always in the life we're living right now. Yes. Is this difficult? Absolutely hundred percent, it's very difficult, but the Bible's not going to say to us, you can have joy always. If it's not going to give you the power, okay, to accomplish that God, Jesus Christ is not going to ask you to do something. He's not going to give you the power to do so. It doesn't wherever you are in your spiritual journey. That's okay. We're going to talk about that at the very end, where Mary came, where she was and and how she moved forward. So just be encouraged. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, you can get to the place. You can get to the place where you can be joyful always. That's something, that's a gift, that's something we can look forward to. If we know Christ, that, is a, that can be a reality in our lives. God wants you to have joy in your life, just like the shepherds. That's God's desire. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says this, that night, they were, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. So, here are these shepherds. Okay, I said that you can have it in every area of your life, in normal, everyday experience of your life. Here are these shepherds think picture this these are these guys aren't high on the totem pole they're sitting out in fields at night watching over their sheep minding their own business living a normal average everyday life not expecting anything to happen and then all of a sudden an angel shows up and changes everything here's the thing god shows up joy is here now i want you to process through i want you to logically walk this through with me, okay? Wherever God is, when God shows up, joy is there. Wherever God is, there is joy. Now, put your theological caps on, all right? We've talked about this a whole bunch, all right? So, if wherever God is, there is joy, what does that mean for our lives? If If the Holy Spirit of God lives in me, if the resurrection power of Christ flows through my veins, if God, if we are God's dwelling place, right? So if God is in me, that means then joy is in me wherever, no matter what circumstances I find in my life, my my life, God is there. If God is there, then joy is there. So no matter what circumstances you find yourself in right now, if you're saying I am a follower of Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit is in you. If the Holy Spirit is in you, then joy is in you. It's there. okay? it is there for the taking. You can have joy in whatever your circumstances. You say, well, I'm going to work tomorrow. I don't really feel joyful about that. If, 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 if you're at work tomorrow, God is there, then joy is there. If you're going on vacation and God is in you, then you're taking God on vacation and joy is there. If you're going home today, later today, then you know what? God is in you. Joy is there. God is there when you're when you're home, when you're on vacation, when you're at work. God is there. So joy is there. Searching for happiness and, and searching for joy Outside there somewhere looking for all oh, if I could just if I could just achieve this or I could just be here If I could just move there if I could just and then i'm gonna i'm gonna be more joyful It's like it's like running after happiness We talked about happiness a few months ago How what biblical happiness is and what it's not And you got people running around the world all the time running after happiness and never finding it That's not the same thing here If you're if you're running after joy and you're looking for in all the wrong places. You are wasting your time. You are wasting your life. It is I, I, I'm going to tell you it is our stinking thinking, our stinking thinking, okay, that doesn't allow us to experience God's joy. It's your thinking. It's the way you're thinking right now. You're caught up in you're caught up in, in a temporal mindset, not an eternal. Mindset when you understand you get that eternal mindset all of a sudden things begin to change and right now You got the stinking thinking going on and that's robbing you from experiencing the joy that god has placed in your life You don't have to leave your job to find joy You don't have to leave your family to find joy You don't have to leave anywhere to find joy because wherever god is there is joy And god is where is he in you? Say it. Come on. Is god in you? Yeah, so if God is in you, then it's there, okay? We just need to get rid of that stinking thinking. Finding joy is not out there. It comes from God, so it's in here. Something. It's something that cannot be taken from me, cannot be stolen from me. Because Jesus Christ cannot be stolen from me. Look at the shepherds. Look at the shepherds. You say, you don't understand my circumstances, Pastor. I want you to look at the shepherds for a second. The Bible says, suddenly, suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Suddenly, God showed up. Suddenly, God showed up. We, seriously, every single person of a certain age in this room understands the power of suddenly. Every person in this room you understand the power of suddenly. Something can happen and everything changes. Suddenly I got that phone call. Suddenly. Suddenly I got that diagnosis. Someone was leaving here this morning. They said they were they found out just Recently, that they have stage three cancer. Suddenly, they found out. Suddenly, you're in a car accident. We all understand the power of suddenly. When something happens, when something suddenly happens, it can change your life for the worse. Your life can be worse. But here's the truth just as suddenly, your life can be changed for the better. Because God can do something new. God can do something new. God can bring something extraordinary in your life. God can give you a peace. And you think, well, it can heal the person with stage three cancer. I'm not saying that. That's the, I don't know what's going to happen. God has healed many people in this church, this church from stage three cancer. Many, many, many. But you know what? You can have joy in your life through whatever circumstances and whatever outcome, you can have joy because of the power of Jesus Christ that lives in you. The power of God that lives in you suddenly can come upon you and bring the worst, but suddenly everything can change for the better. Right, We can find joy right here, right now, because suddenly God can do something new. God can change your life and do something new in your life. And, and this is important. And I can begin to get that, that perspective. I can begin to see things differently. That's what I'm trying to ask you to do this morning. To, to look at things from an eternal perspective and start to see things differently in your life. I can find joy in my life, not because of my circumstances, but because of my God. My circumstances may not change, but my God doesn't change either. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God will not change, and God will give me what I need. And I need to understand that. I, I I I need to begin to look at life differently from an eternal perspective, and see that God's love, God is good, and I am loved. God's love is there regardless of my circumstances. Regardless. It doesn't matter what happens. God's love is there. I know that no matter what my circumstances, God is going to show up in my life. God is going to show up in my life. That's what happened to the shepherds. That's what happened. That's our first point. That is exactly what happened to the shepherds. Suddenly, God showed up. Suddenly, God showed up. Suddenly, suddenly joy is here. Suddenly God showed up. Suddenly joy is here. Now, Pastor Kevin is going to talk to you about the second truth of
1: joy. So, tis the season for uh, tag teaming with Jeff. Jeff. So last week, if you were here, Jen, uh, was, was, had the honors. And it was so funny, uh, Monday at our typical staff meeting time, uh, she was laughing about the fact that she's like, hey, since I'm not like the pastor pastor, uh, I can get away with saying stuff that, you know, he normally can't. And it's just, it's, that's one of the fun things about, uh, <laughs> you know, being in that position. But she said, did you realize, and if you were here, maybe you didn't catch it. She said, did you realize that I said he peed himself? in this, in the sermon and she was just laughing about that so you'll have to be on pins and needles uh, all week long all week long to see it was in is the context Netflix. though yeah. it was, yeah. it actually that's what happen. <laughs> yeah so anyway uh, so my name is kevin <laughs> Schwieger. if you don't uh, if you've been around here for not very long i'm the marketplace pastor here at grace chapel and if you have are fairly new and you think like martin like what in the world is a marketplace pastor well i'd double dog dare you to come up afterwards and ask me because i'll tell you right So, uh, so joy is here. Our second point is that joy is sent. All right. We don't have to worry about whether it's here or not. It is here. It was God given, but we, the second point is like the significance of the fact that he sent it and he sent it on purpose for a, for a purpose. One of my favorite things to do as a pastor is to come up with what I call working man's terms for deep spiritual concepts And this started for me several years ago when, in a short period of time, several people asked me what faith is. And you think about it, those of you who have been, you know, walking with God for a long time, you, you know what faith is, but try to explain it. And you'll end up saying, well, okay, so here's what it is. Well, okay. Now, it's kind of like... Now, wait a second. It's... Yeah, you know, and you'll be hemming and hawing around. Okay. And, uh, I found myself doing that and I was like, okay, this is not cool. I need to come up with something that just rolls off the tongue that makes it easier for people to understand this really deep topic. And so what I came up with was that faith, you, you got to really kind of put your thinking caps on here. Faith is the ability to look forward to the hindsight. All right. Hindsight's 2020 in the moment. I don't have that hindsight. In the moment I might be scared, confused, unsettled whatever, but faith is the ability to look forward to the hindsight, knowing that right now I'm scared, confused, but I know with certainty that at some point in the future I'll be able to look back with 2020 vision and say, "Oh, so that's what you were doing. God, thank you for that process." Okay? That's faith. Here's my my crack at doing the same thing with the concept of joy. Joy is an inner, unstealable, by the way, as of today, that's a word, unstealable, never ceasing, God sized, God based pleasure. Okay? Inner. We'll we'll unpack that here in a little bit. Unstealable, Jeff already talked about it, cannot be stolen from you. It's given by God and it can't be taken away. Okay, so. A little bit of a tangent here. Allow me a little bit of an aside, and I promise this will will sound unrelated, but I promise rabbit trail it's going to come back. Okay? so um, these deep spiritual kind of things that we have joy, faith, forgiveness, those kinds of spiritual truths. um, It's it's really uh, it's, it's energizing for me to have these conversations, but it's frustrating at the same time. Um, people that come from an atheistic or an agnostic kind of point of view are constantly saying things like, hey, I don't believe because you can't prove to me that there's a God. All right. Joy, faith, forgiveness, those kind of things, for me, are absolute proofs that there's a God. First of all, when somebody says you can't prove that there's a God, my first statement is, well, I kind of beg to differ because I think it's pretty easy to prove that there's a God. All right. But it's things like this that we're talking about that for me are absolute proofs that there's a big God because it doesn't make sense that that could exist outside of there is a God. All right. And one of the things that's frustrating for me about those conversations is that it seems like it's always accusatory from one side. Hey, prove it, prove it, prove it. But we never turn the onus back on the other side to say, hey, well, if you don't think so, then you got to provide some sort of explanation for this or that. It's easy to say, hey, prove it without having your own proof and your own explanation. For example, prove to me or explain to me, if you're coming from that point of view, explain to me how out of the hundreds and hundreds of kinds, animal kinds, you know, there's the equine kind, there's the... There's the canine kind. There's a hundred and some of those kind of kinds that provide for us the billions of individual species. Explain to me out of all of those billions of individual species that we humans were the only ones to quote unquote evolve. Explain to me why giraffes after 10 billion, whatever years are still giraffes. Explain to me why tortoises are still tortoises, but somehow that we Evolved. Furthermore, explain to me how in the world that out of random chance for survival of the fittest. Billions of years that somehow this organism all of a sudden has the ability to have joy. You know, an antelope in the Serengeti plain that's being chased by a lion soon to lose his life does not have the ability to express joy in that situation. All right. We do. In the reality of stage three cancer, we can have joy. That is an attribute that was given to me by my creator. A fawn who's starving in North Dakota because it's a million degrees below zero and there's nothing to eat, does not have the ability to have faith that somehow it's going to work out in the end. A finch in the Galapagos Islands Who adapted bigger beaks. And by the way, that's where Darwin came up. He did this extraordinary extrapolation to say, oh, that finch has bigger beaks. Therefore, we evolved from apes. That finch does not have the ability to forgive the snake that eats its eggs. Okay, you tracking with me here? Joy is one of those God-given attributes that came from him that was sent to me. Through this story, we're talking about. It did not come from nature. It did not come from inside me. I did not create it. I didn't go search and find it. He sent it to me. It's something that you don't have to, f- to spend the rest of your life looking for, or searching out, or trying to gather, or whatever. It was sent to you. That doesn't mean we have the ability to actually express it very well if we're not very mature in that. And it takes some mining. Uh, several months ago, Jeff uh, talked about the, the, it was, the, the fact that we have to mine this, you know, that was the illustration of like uh, harvesting ore out of a mine. We have to work sometimes to get that out so that we can express it so that we can feel it. There's some mining or maybe honing that's involved, but it's not something that. We have to go get ourselves. That's the point. So let's go back to the uh, shepherds story. We're going to continue on the next couple of verses. Uh, Luke, this is back into Luke two. Now into verse uh, 10. It says they, the shepherds were terrified, but the angel reassured them. He said, don't be afraid because I bring you good news that will bring great joy to to all people. Remember that. Good news turned into great joy. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in, in uh, snuggly strips of cloth, lying in a manger. So joy is here. Well, how do I find it? How, did it? how does it get into my life? You may still be, there still be people out there. Well, I, I still don't get, like, where do I find it? Okay. Well, if you're not a follower... You may be thinking, OK, so I, I got to go get it somewhere. Some people not, not you know, they're know, they know that it's desirable, but not really knowing where to find it. So some people are going to try to solve that problem. by, well, I'll just work a little harder. I'll try harder. I'll work harder. You saw in the video, the guy was at the corporate board thing. If, if I just do more, I'll find it. Well, that doesn't hold up because if that were true then the most joyous people in the world would be workaholics, right? And we know that that's not true, okay? Another strategy people might use, well, what if I just pretend like all of the bad stuff in the world, you know, isn't there? Maybe I'll bury my head in the sand, maybe I'll put my fingers in my ears, and I'll just pretend that everything's good. Well, that doesn't work either right? Because those people just end up being the opposite of joy. That brings the opposite of joy because it brings guilt and and all of that into it. There are other people like Jeff uh, mentioned that they, they link daily kind of surface happiness with joy. And the, the idea is, well, maybe if I just express that happiness really, 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 it's like happiness on steroids, then I'll be joyful. All right. Well, that doesn't work either because if I base that, then joyfulness is going to Come and go with the wind, just like daily happiness comes and goes with the wind, right? God wants joy to be in our lives as a permanent reality, a permanent truth. Remember, it was unstealable. It cannot be taken from me. He sent it into our lives. It was not found by us. Okay, It was not created by us or by something in nature. He gave it to me. It's a really interesting uh, twist. I I said, remember these words really interesting. And as I was kind of studying this little chunk of scripture, uh, this, this line popped out at me going back to the shepherds. Remember, it said, I bring you good. The angel said, I bring you good news that will be joy to all people. And I remember thinking, so what, what does that mean? That it's great joy to all people. It was great joy to them because they were right in the moment, right? Another theological thing that I think is really, really important. We talk about this a lot. One of those every and all kind of concepts, every answer in life, every theological question, every tough thing, every explanation all points back to Jesus, the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, everything about God's story points back to this. And this Christmas story is the beginning of that. So the ramification here of joy to all people was that at that time, at that event in history, God injected into our human story joyfulness. I think that's amazing. It was not only joyfulness to them, but it was joyfulness to uh, 2000 years later, that event injected into the human story so that I can have 2000 years later Joy, And I think that's awesome. And joy is not just or only a result of an experience for me and you. Salvation kind of an experience. It's not only a part of that. It is. But it is also an experiential thing that lasts for the rest of my life. And the rest of my experiences and the rest of my ups and downs and the rest of all of your Experiences and ups and downs, and the rest of everybody that 's not even born yet experiences and ups and downs. Christmas is personal great or good news turns into great joy because Christmas is personal. God entered into our human story and says, "I love you, I have a plan for you, I have a wonderful, awesome thing for you, and I have a never take it away, nothing can happen kind of love." For you. And I'm going to express that in you by giving you this thing called joy. That's uh, that's personal and unstealable. All right. When Jesus comes into my life, all of a sudden good news becomes great joy. Now, I want you to notice what the shepherds did next. So we're going to go back to Luke two. This is a few uh, verses later. It says after seeing him. The shepherds, after seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Okay? So first they were told the story, and then they shared the story. Joy was sent, and then it was shared. They told other people. Now, what was the reaction of the other people? They weren't. Argumentative. They weren't skeptical. They weren't like, why are you telling me this? They were astonished about this story. Because the world needs good news and the world craves good news. Incidentally, in general, most people want to hear good news more than you want to share it. Most people crave. To hear good news more than you have the bravery to share it. But the enemy gets into our head and says, well, they probably don't want to hear it. They, you know, I, I'm embarrassed or they think that's going to be bogus or whatever. And that's just a lie from the enemy. Most people want to hear more than you want to share. And they can't ex, ex, uh, They can't argue with your experience. That's why it's your testimony. That's why it's your story. You know, somebody can argue uh, uh, theology with me. They can argue truth or whatever. But nobody can argue my feelings or my story. So when you tell people your story, that's one of the most powerful things that you have. One of the most powerful possessions that you have is your story. That's why we call it the testimony, your God's story. So here's my encouragement to you. If you know Christ, act it out. Joy is in here. Act it out. Live it. Walk it. Act as if you have joy. One of the most powerful messages for Christ, one of the most powerful um, testimonies for Christ that you can have, that you individually can have, is to express joy through a hard time. You know, you think about that. If you're going through something that's really, really, really tough and people are around you and they know what's going on and, and you, you're telling them, you're walking them through your life and things are bad or things are t- hard or whatever and you express joy in the midst of that, those people are going to be going, huh, what? Uh, what, how? And then you can say, oh, funny you should ask. This is how. Because and tell your story. One of the most powerful statements for Christ that you can have is to have joy through your hard times. Number three. Well, first of all, joy was joy is here. Secondly, joy is sent. Number three. Joy is in and through the journey. We're going to move on to the the wise men, the magi. Incidentally, here, a little uh, Christmas trivia. You see the uh, the crash or the manger scene, and it often has... You know, Mary and Joseph, the baby, a few donkeys and whatever. And uh, and then it has the shepherds and then over here, the wise men. That is not accurate, historically accurate. The wise men didn't come to see Jesus until he was a toddler running around. So remember, remember back the Christmas story. The wise men saw the star in the east, which signified to them that a king was being born. They got all sorts of excited. We got to go see this king and pay homage to this king. Joy was a part of that for, for them. We got to go honor this king because it's really, really special. So we're going to go on this journey. Well, that journey was not like going to see Aunt Tilly and Paw, Pawtucket in your car or whatever. This was a, like a two-year-long journey up and over the mountains, through the valleys, over this and that, to go see... And it was long and it was hard and it was camels and it was cattle and it was hunger and it was rainstorms and hail and all that for a long, long. You thought Lewis and Clark were tough. These guys were tough, too. Right. And so the point is that when they got there, the Bible said that they were joyful also, that they were just filled with joy when they saw Jesus. But that wasn't like, okay, we go there and then we get joy. There was joy within the process, too. So the point is, there is joy in the journey. There can be joy in the journey. So when we go through our hard things, when we go through this or that, there can be joy in the journey. And I started off by giving uh, my, my uh, definition of faith, looking forward to the hindsight. Here's where that plays in. I really, really, really feel strongly that joy and faith go hand in hand. They're inseparable. Okay, here's why: it is next to impossible to have an inner, unstealable, unceasing, God-sized, God-based pleasure with all without also accompanying that with the ability to look forward to the hindsight. If if all I have is trying to muster up the happiness or joy without faith, then it, it just doesn't work. It's just too hard. And so faith and happy, or joy, they just go, they go together. And when we recognize that, when I, when I fully recognize the significance of what God gave me, then it makes me want to, to live that out. Um, several sermon series ago, we had this staircase up here, and it, and it represented stair steps, Or the little building blocks to spiritual maturity. And we we said at the get-go, everyone starts down there at that bottom step. And it's okay if you're at that bottom step. We don't expect you to be eating steak when you're a baby needing milk, right? But it's not okay to stay at the bottom step. And we encourage people to climb that ladder, the building blocks of spiritual maturity. And this is where that comes in. Like Jeff said, it's okay to struggle with this. But we don't want you to keep struggling with it and never have... A victory over that. And so uh, as an encouragement this, this, this morning, out of my full recognition of what God did for me, um, that's, uh, joy is just a byproduct of that. And, and, and when I fully just understand my, myself, and I hopefully yourself, just wants to let that out.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Kevin. The, the last lesson that we can learn really is kind of building on what he just talked about. And for if you're at that place in your life where you're, golly, I, this, this seems so far beyond what I'm capable of actually spiritually pulling off right now. That's OK. Baby steps, right? Just keep taking baby steps. So the fourth lesson we can learn is that joy is a difficult choice. It's a difficult choice. Mary had great joy. Mary sang a song about how joyful she was. We can read about it in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. So Mary is singing songs of joy. But that is not the case. It was not the case all the time. Okay, that was not how she started. That's not where it started. See, it was a decision that she made that brought her to this place. Let's go back to Luke 1, 29 and 30. Look at where she started. So that's okay if you're, if you're at the starting point, you're at this and the steps. Kevin just described them and spiritual maturity. Look at where Mary started. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Three important words that really stood out to me here. Confused, disturbed, and afraid. That's where she started. Okay, make you feel better? All right, because Mary's song, right? Oh, I praise the Lord. And now this is fantastic. This is awesome. Found out I was going to give birth to a, you know, virgin birth. Oh, you know what I'm saying? She was confused, she was disturbed, and she was afraid. That's where Mary started, and that's where all of us would start as well. I mean, you're minding your own business, again, living your normal life as a young teenage girl, and all of a sudden, you're visited by the angel who tells you, you are going to be pregnant soon. No, you didn't have sex with anybody, you're going to be pregnant, okay? Virgin birth, and Mary's thinking at this point, Okay, how am I going to explain this to Joseph? How am I going to explain this to my parents? How am I going to explain this to my friends and family? How am I going to explain this to the people in the community who are most likely going to stone me for thinking I did something I didn't do? God, no one's going to believe me. She was confused. She was disturbed. And she was afraid. But then something happened. Only a few verses later, think about this. She's, she's... She's singing songs of joy. She's praising God. She's completely joyful. Only a few verses later. Why? What happened? What happened is she made a decision. She made a difficult decision. And the decision was that she decided that she was going to trust God more than she was going to trust herself. This is huge for us to understand. She decided, she made the decision to trust God more than she was going to trust herself. The thing about joy is it often frightens you first, okay? Because you've got to let go of the familiar and make the choice to completely and totally trust God. At first it's like... Confusion, you're, you're afraid, right? You're, uh, what do I do? But then you make it, 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 you're making a choice. Kevin said it before with evolution. We have the ability that God has designed us with the ability that when we go through a difficult time, we can make a choice. Do I trust God? God is good all the time and I am loved all the time. Am I going to trust God in my circumstances or am I going to trust myself? Am I going to try to figure this out myself? Am I going to shake my fist at God because I don't understand it? What am I going to choose to do? You know, here's the reality. Joy is often found or is found on the other side of a difficult choice. And the other side of the difficult choice is to trust God instead of trusting yourself. Joy is found on the other side of a difficult choice. And that choice is that I need, I just need to have the faith that Pastor Kevin was talking about, to believe and trust that God is going to do what he has promised he was going to do. We need to let our lives reflect our faith in Jesus Christ. We need to bow your heads with me. I want you to be thinking about this as we close. You need to let your life reflect your faith in Jesus Christ. Instead of fear dictating our choices, listen, we need to pray about everything with confidence and with hope. Hope in who God is. God is good. We need to pray with confidence and hope. We need to be strong and we need to trust God's goodness. And when we do that, when we trust God's goodness and the joy that he has placed in our lives, when we trust, when we trust him, the joy that he has placed in our hearts will flourish. Father God, I pray that more than anything else, you would give us the faith and the strength To try just baby steps living out what we learned this morning. That when we face challenges, when we face difficulties, it's God, you you made us. You understand that we're going to be confused sometimes by what's happening in our lives, we're going to be disturbed by what's happening in our lives, we're going to be afraid. Because of what's happening in our lives. But God, what I'm asking is that you would help every single human being in this room. To take that next baby step. To trust you. Because at the end of that road of trust. Is joy. Is peace. Is contentment. Is happiness in you. Father, I pray that for every single person this morning that the gift we receive this morning from you is the gift of trust that we would live lives of joy. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this morning and for what you have taught us. May we apply it to our lives even in small ways. May we apply it, begin to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' powerful, transforming name, Amen.